How is everybody doing? We're good. Good, thank you. Doing good. So we got Logan, Trevor Jaffe, and Riley. Is it Presno? Presno. Presnell. See, I always say it wrong. I'm horrible with names. That's okay. It's kind of a weird one. No one ever gets it right. But don't worry, I correct everyone. Yeah, make sure they get it right. That's my name. Get it right. Mm -hmm. But you get a pass because you have the country accent. Oh, man. And I wish I didn't have it. Has actually been butchered as like pretzel before. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, that one, that was kind of okay. I'll allow that one. See, I did one of those uh, DNA things, 23andMe. And it comes to find yeah. out, like, my DNA profile is made up of, like, 87 or 88% British. And I was like, how did I get stuck oh. with this stupid accent instead of a British accent? <laughs> <laughs> so I say some words un- unusually, and I'm from South Florida. And everyone picks up the fact, like, you sound like this California surfer dude. You say, and I thought Florida. <laughs> my father is from South Africa. So everything he said had a twang to it. Yeah. So it's almost like British and Australian matched together is how you get the South African twang. And so everyone's like, where does that accent come from? I'm like, it comes from here. I'm from down here. Yeah. <laughs> That's where all those weird little little twangs come from. Like when I say orange instead of orange or whatever I say, people always jump on that. <laughs> Logan, were you born and raised basically in Jonesboro? Uh, no, I was actually born in Indiana. Indiana. Um, Anderson, Anderson, Indiana. So how did you end up in um, Arkansas? Family. Um, Family. <laughs> we, uh, we, I was born there. I came to Arkansas, and then like around five years, six years old, uh, I lost my dad. That's when we moved to Washington for family reasons, too. And then we decided to like come all the way back here for family. Yeah. And I haven't left. I was about to say you actually made it out and came back. <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. And came back. But I like it. I like it here a lot better than in Washington. It's a lot better over here. I live in the burbs. I do not like city life. I don't mm-hmm. like a, a late night guy. I don't care for parties. Uh, <laughs> like the only time I'm ever social is if I'm at a seminar or at a meeting. Him and I got the pleasure. Of his that's, wife. that's how we are too. <laughs> two and a half hours of talking yeah. it's so rare that I get to speak to another human. <laughs> that's awesome. That's kind of how we are too. Yeah. We're like a bunch of hermits. That's exactly how I am. Yeah, I am this South Florida city guy who just wishes he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Except I have zero man skills, so I can never actually live in my Well, come, come stay with us in Hope, Arkansas for about a month, and we can teach you everything you need to know about how to be a, a handyman. You don't anything. No. Like, like if I get here, I build that. Find um, new we generally have to call his brother Eric to come over and do it. <laughs> uh, do the doesn't do the man stereotypical things. That's yeah, right. There we go. Riley, he came over with like this power drill with this like NASCAR drill bit to hit the full song. Know what it was called? And I was like, we need one of those. Like, she's a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, if uh, y'all don't mind, can you introduce yourselves? Either one of y'all can go first. Sure. Go ahead. All right. I am Trevor Jaffe. Uh, it's always weird for me to talk about myself because I still see myself as like the shy, quiet kid, even though I'm very vocal online and loud. Mm-hmm. I have been people for a very long time. Uh, I fell into an accident. Everybody always asks that I always desire to be a coach. I was a trainer in big box corporate gyms. I ran commercial gyms, but I was competing in strongman, powerlifting, and weightlifting for many years. I'm going on 16 years as an active competitor. 
And I made a name for myself for a couple of reasons for jumping around multiple weight classes, like competing in a strong contest at 231. And then about two months later, competing in powerlifting contests at 181. And everybody would ask how I was doing that. And then I became very friendly with a lot of CrossFit gym owners and they all wanted to learn powerlifting. And I was showing up at Florida powerlifting meets with brand new powerlifters who were just CrossFitters who were kicking everyone's ass. And it was upsetting the powerlifting clubs. Like, well, how are you doing that? So more people began to reach out and ask me to program them and coach them and teach them. Uh, I think the diversity of background between strongman powerlifting and weightlifting, just learning how to move weight in many different ways, really helped my coaching. Plus, working 20 plus years with people on an individual basis as personal training, um, you you work with a lot of different walks of life, from from professionals to youth athletes to whatever. You really learn how to cue and how to communicate with an individual and get them to understand the movement that much faster, that much better. So I had an advantage going in that I had hands-on experience, three different sports of experience. And just getting people who could take what they already had and enhance it rather than making them do things my way. I've never been one of those coaches where it's my way or the highway. It's like, let's take what you have and let's refine it into any way we can and utilize your strength instead of declaring them as your weakness and build from there. And it just grew to a point where I started working with higher and higher level lifters like Jen Rothinger breaking multiple records, Stacey Bird breaking the all-time Wilkes record at the time. Uh, Dallas Norris broke the all-time squat record at 181. Um, Ashley Garcia broke the deadlift record at 165 for wraps. Uh, I don't usually count up a Phil Hernan breaking the squat record at uh, 242 in wraps. In, in uh, I feel like I'm forgetting someone, so I'm sorry if I am. But there, I've had six different athletes break all time world records across all federations. So I just kind of became known as that guy behind the scenes. Where some people even ask me, like, how did you get to coach all these people if you don't even compete? I'm like, wow, that, that actually hurts. You <laughs> 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 compete, but. Um, not at, I mean, I competed at a high level, doing the show on me, and I've been, I've had invites to the curtain and stuff, but I've always chosen to be behind the curtain to help them as opposed to demonstrate myself. It's always been a little bit more gratifying to help other people than it is to be on the platform myself. Yeah. I think that's hard to follow up. <laughs> yeah, follow up. Now's your turn. Uh, I'm Riley Fresnel. I'm a girl with the purple hair everywhere. I feel like there's a lot of power. Powerlifting women that have purple hair now, but uh, I am a full-time coach. I'm a competitor. I have been coaching full-time, I think, for two years, and then I was doing it for probably about a year and a half, two years part-time. Before that, um, I have competed at 181 and 165 and achieved international elite totals at both weight classes. I'm actually hoping to get my third international elite total at 148 nice. for showdown. That would be across three weight classes. That would be really cool. See, that one actually shows me up because I only have it in two weight classes. <laughs> Winner. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it at 81 and 98, but I have, I've only done one to two twenty, and I totaled elite, not international elite. So you'll, you'll have to beat me there. I'm, I'm still working on the international elite <laughs> so, total. Um, I went to school for psychology, so I have a little bit of background in like communicating and understanding people and uh, their kind of like their goals, how to talk to people, communicate. That's kind of one of my big things that I tend to be pretty good at is communicating with lots of different athletes. Um, I've kind of built myself up over the last two years to be totally full-time coaching, like I think that I do. Um, I currently have a roster of about 70-plus 70, 70 clients that I work with, um, generally from like beginner to intermediate levels. I prefer kind of working with that. At least right now, I kind of prefer working with that like beginner to intermediate level. Um, lifter because it is kind of nice that they don't have any great bad patterns. Uh, that's fun, you know, to kind of keep mm -hmm. building. 
something that's brand new. But yeah, so it's been kind of cool being building myself up to full-time coaching and being, uh, I generally don't talk about it, but being like a woman that coaches in powerlifting. There aren't a lot of really, really successful full-time female coaches in powerlifting that do it to the level that I can at this point. So uh, I guess that's it. I think I'm done bragging about myself. (laughs) To be honest, I think like off top of my head, the only, there's only two women that are, well known for coaching and powerlifting is you and Julia Anto. Is the only two uh, and Laura Phelps. Say it again. Laura Phelps. Laura Phelps. That's right. Laura Phelps. That's right. And I, mm-hmm. that's that's all it can come to mind. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of women that are coaching and doing a great job. It's not I'm not taking any away from them them for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but not a lot of people get to the point where they can do it full time. Yeah. I I can work in my gym yeah. on a Saturday every Saturday where I don't have to. Wear normal clothes. I can wear pajamas all day. Sleep in <laughs> and work. So, uh, I think it's cool. I see a lot more women coaching and powerlifting, yeah. more so now. And I hope that that continues to be a trend because we can obviously yes. do it. I think same. women can come to it with a better perspective than men do sometimes. Can you repeat that? I didn't. You kind of cut out a little bit. I feel like women can come with a better perspective with coaching than w- what men can sometimes. Sometimes, um, I think in general, the communication aspect is, tends to be a little bit better, or at least, like you mentioned, understanding like different perspectives of where people are coming, mm-hmm. whatnot. But actually, like communicating to an athlete from a um, kind of all directional kind of way tends to be a little bit better. Um, more than know. just like a, just a just more like more than just like a client, more like a relationship, basically. Yes, I. <laughs> very careful about yeah you know like i don't need to know people's personal business i only need to know yeah (laughs) um so if they're stressed out and it's affecting their lifting i Mm -hmm. need to affecting their lifting but be very i'm pretty strict on that line yeah i I don't want to know anything more than that i don't need to know about Mm -hmm. your relationship i don't need to know about you know any of those other things like Mm -hmm. that that's important i think that's when it gets a little muddy you know Mm -hmm. yeah and especially with the, the amounts of clients that you two have, um, I was going to ask y'all, like, how do y'all manage that? Like, from the communication to the scheduling of programming and dealing with the day-to-day of that? System. Yeah. That's been the hardest part for a lot of people when they start coaching and they get successful coaching. They begin, begin to get overwhelmed very fast. Um like I systemize my day and time back to my day a little bit opposite of Riley's, but my morning hours are my deep work hours. So if it's not in an email and it's not a program, it's not something I'm touching in the morning. Like I won't touch social media until after 2 p.m. most days, and I'm only on there from like 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. That doesn't mean I'm on there for eight straight hours. That means that's the availability where you're going to reach me. So athletes are directed to send a weekly recap through email that I can reference because I will not go on social media. So I can reference their weekly email as far as how the training week went, what they struggled with, what they succeeded with, what it needs to improve, or if they have any vacations, trips, or contests coming up. That's all done through email. Their videos, I, I filter as many as I can to send me the you know, maximum of two videos per session from, through Instagram. Then it doesn't matter what kind of camera they use or how it was recorded. I can do it, and it's, I can see it and then answer that through Instagram and say, here's what I see, here's something you're doing well, here's something we might want to work on, and so forth. So that way I have my deeper work hours in the morning where I'm uninterrupted. I can read their emails. I can reference their emails or I can respond to emails and I can do programs. 
then I'll usually toggle back and forth between programs and communication in the afternoon. I do that also, so I'm not triggered when I train because I train around 11 a.m. And, you know, when you have a, a large amount of clientele, someone will always do something that just drives you crazy. And <laughs> 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 make sure I see that after I've already trained, so I'm not dwelling on it throughout the whole workout. Yeah, stress you out before you go over there. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. To answer out her social media stuff like first thing in the morning and then do programs later in the afternoon. But to me, I'm, I'm way too of an emotional of a person. So if something were to trigger me, I'd be thinking about the entire workout. So I systemize it and structure it. And then we have chosen days for each athlete when their program is done. So I'll assign people onto a Wednesday, assign people onto a Thursday, assign people onto a Friday. Because I know some people who will literally sit there all day, Saturday and Sunday. I used to be that person. I would sit there and do 70 plus programs on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I was miserable. Until I started this type in an app where, okay, I have a max of 20 I'll do on each day, and I'll sign people to each day, move them there. And I'll have people like, hey, can I get my program on this day? I'm like, no, you know, that day's full. I should do on this day. Is that fair? Is that work? So I, I let people know these are my boundaries and these are my borders. If you don't fit into them and I can't make you fit into them, I'm okay if you want to work with somebody else. But this is what is required to work with me. Yeah. That way I can give them the best of my abilities and not be hostile or angry or upset with them or vice versa. They have an understanding coming in that this is what I can give them and this is the times I can give it to them. When you have that mm-hmm. amount of, of clients, uh, you would have to spread it out throughout your week to make it to where it's not overbearing. I can see Absolutely. that. Sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's I do about the same things where like Wednesday through Saturday is when I do most of my programming. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, I try to focus more on like the culture neutral stuff that we're doing now, like the marketing and all that stuff. Um, I answer social media for Culture Nutra every single day as well. Like that's, I have, I'm who runs my own account in the Culture Nutra account. So I try to split the culture stuff on like Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, and then uh, programming Wednesday through Saturday. And like when I am programming, it's very, uh, it can become very distracting when you feel your phone buzzing and you're getting a whole bunch of notifications and whatnot. So I generally try to make it a rule that I have to get like 30 minutes of programming done before I can check. And then I'll check stuff for a little bit, get rid of some notifications, and I'll go back to the programming for another 30 minutes. But if I'm trying to answer people immediately as they come in and also get programs done, I'm either I'm going to do one or the other. I'm either yeah. going to be programming the whole training one, or I'm going to be answering someone the whole time and not programming at all. So I have to like give myself, okay, I need I have 10 more minutes of programming to do, and then I'll check stuff. And then like I do um, like the cooking, and I get up and meal prep and everything. So I just have to make sure that I am. And I cook everything fresh because I'm kind of a weirdo like that. I don't, <laughs> don't hey, like not, Tupperware. That's, that's discipline. Yeah, I don't like Tupperware meals. Like, I won't eat it. He'll eat leftovers. So, like, if I cook a little bit extra, I know that he'll eat them. But, like, every two and a half hours or so, I get up from programming or whatever I'm doing, um, and I start cooking. And then while I'm cooking, I'll answer messages, too. So, it's, like, a constant flow of, like, making sure I'm doing something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sundays tend to be, like, the least. Like, you have to have one day a week where you're not doing anything because you'll just go crazy. That's my so, Saturday. Absolutely. Our, uh, that day of the week, we still have videos to answer, obviously, because there will be people that list on Sundays, but it's generally pretty low. But, like, we'll put on a movie and just kind of relax or, like, go run here, like, go to the store, do whatever. Um, and that's kind of, like, the decompress day. Yeah. We usually squat on Sundays. Yeah. So Sunday squat. starts our training week. Yeah. yeah. Because it's our most relaxed day, we can do our heaviest squat or whatever yeah. on Sunday. There's those programs that are done on Sunday. We'll answer people after we've trained the whole night, pick a movie, do some errands like grocery shopping. Yeah, everything is just having focused effort and being intentional with our structure. Yeah. Prioritizing time management is what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So, um, exactly. so mm-hmm. Logan and I, with us, we're still on the 
trying to figure out if we're going to do like an app type system or Word or Excel. What have y'all found that works easiest in a system? So his is very basic. Yeah. <laughs> Super basic. I have tried things like Train Heroic um, and True Coach. I didn't like them. I like to be able to leave myself notes and have structure, and I like to be able to have it connected to my phone just in case something goes wrong or out the bounce if they happen. So I will literally use the notepad in my i in my iPad. I'm sorry, my iPad, my um, iPhone. What's my notebook? My Apple notebook is <laughs> no, all the Apple products synced together in the cloud. So if somebody asks me a question or does something, because people will do that. They're like, "Hey, by the way, this says this. What do you mean by that?" I have to go look at what I said. If I was using TrueCoach, if I was using uh, Trainer Row, I couldn't get on there and I couldn't see it. I couldn't adjust it. I couldn't change it unless I was on my laptop, which got very frustrating to me. So I used to use the basic notepad in there. And they all sync up and they all save. I have years worth of programs on there and every athlete's on there and it stays on there. And I can look at it from my phone where if it doesn't go through, I have one or two emails that don't go through every week of a program. I can send it from wherever I can be in the middle of the grocery store and send it across there that they didn't get it from my phone. So I like that. Hers is also think, but she uses Google Sheets. Yeah, I use Google Drive. So I in Google Drive, I do everyone's um, programs through Google Sheets that way, and I mm-hmm. update them. So at the top, like I'll write their name, and then I write the week that it's for. So like this upcoming week, it'll say like eight twenty three dash eight twenty eight. I send it to their Gmail or whatever email account that it is. And what I like about Google Sheets is that. If, you know, I give people a variance on weight. So if I program like a certain percentage, I give them, you know, uh, two and a half to five percent that they can go up or down. And what I like about that is I tell them, hey, if you change the weight, like if you uh, increase or decrease, make a note right on Google Drive. And then I know how how I can increase the following week. So I can keep everything there. Um, I think I pay like two bucks a month for like the hundred terabyte or something. So that way I have. No, that's not bad at all storage but i just update it weekly that way and i keep the dates written at the top so i know what week it's for and i can also access it from my phone too and send emails um uh, we're at the grocery store or wherever because okay. i just have google app sheet um or the google app google drive app and then i also have google sheets on my phone too so i could do it that way if i didn't have my laptop awesome. um i also don't like the the app um mm-hmm. just don't seem very user-friendly and if you don't if you use more than the basic movements, like if you want to put chains in someone's program or like an SSB, you have to manually go add all of those um, exercises in. And like if you're someone who uses a lot of variation, you may be adding like 200 exercises in. And it has to be, you know, uh, add 20 pounds of chains, add 30 pounds of chains, 40 pounds of chains. Those are all different variations that you have to add. So those I feel like would take me longer to set up than it's worth. Yeah. Especially with um, the do- amount of clients. Yeah. Well, for- you know, if you're working with strictly groups, like if you have a team format, like Greg Penora does very well with training heroics, but it's not individual coaching. Everyone's on a team. Uh-huh. So there's a team. Mm-hmm. He's running that one workout for the entire team for the whole week or for the whole month. It's all in there. Uh, I know Laura Phelps has both. She does individual through, I believe, Google Sheets. I think so. But she also has her team on training heroics. So, you know, the team aspect is great okay. for those because you just have one program you're running through. It doesn't matter. Everyone yeah. gets to see it. They download on their app. They can do that kind of stuff. There's no feedback with group training, group programming. It's just everyone's part of a group. They're not being coached. Individual, you have to leave a lot more notes and structure and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yes. So I don't for the individual. I must say, I use True Coach personally, and it's it kind of, uh, I can agree with you, the note-taking, I have to do a lot of it myself separately compared to just writing out the programming and stuff like that. But uh, I can agree with that. It can kind of give us a headache 
of doing <laughs> some things yeah. on there. I mean, I like the simplicity of it, and people can just simply access it on their phone. And it usually, looks- yeah, and it looks really good. It looks clean. It looks, you know, and you just have videos and stuff like that that I could put on there. But uh, I do have to do a lot of my talking through Instagram still all the time. And so you might as well and that kind of stuff. do what Trevor does and have <laughs> exactly. a million years of instructional videos exactly. on Instagram. And not to mention, it costs money a month to pay for that true coach, too. So, you know, I would be missing out on that. So. Yeah, people save those videos, but then they, like, forget they exist. Yes. Yeah. Or people will hit like, and they'll be like, great video. And then, like, later they'll be like, I can't have to do this. And I'm like, you just watched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least you have a resource. So, um, with all that being said, do you have any like advice for Logan and I with starting this online business, some do's and don'ts? Um, yeah. <laughs> do come into this with a mindset that you want to help people. I mean, I think that should be any coach's mindset. They, mm-hmm. want to, they want to help. They want to facilitate someone's goal. When people see this as easy money, I promise you, it's not. we're talking about the systems and the structures we have. We're connected to our phone seven days a week. The only time I remember disconnected to my phone is literally if I go on a cruise and I get blocked in the state and I tell people I don't have the internet for the week. That's the only time I've ever been off my phone in years. So you have to go to this with the mindset that you truly want to help people. And that's one of the reasons why I started posting those videos to Instagram. They used to be videos that would take separately, and I would send them to clients and say, here's what you're doing wrong, here's what I'd like you to work on, here's what you can improve, and then I just got the idea. I'm like, you know what? I kept having the same issues with clients over and over again. So any one of those tips or tutorials, I just started posting them, and then I started saving them, and as the issues kept coming up, I would send them to new clients or different people or come about or people would ask questions. It helped me help more people. Not just clients. It helped me just help everybody. Yeah. They're free, open yeah. source, access to anyone. So usually that's the best way to market your service is to start offering help. How to squat, how to bench, how to deadlift, variation of, terminology of, steps and rep schemes of, why we do this, why we do that. These things can be very basic to Logan, myself, or you because we discuss them every day. But like Riley talked about earlier, when she's working with a novice intermediate, they don't know what that is. So the very first episode we put up of the successory segment for Culture Nutra was literally understanding the difference between comp grip, close grip, and wide grip bench press. Because when we put that variation in for a newer lifter, the first thing they say is, well, how close or how far or how wide should my hands be that necessitates a wide grip or close grip? It's common sense to us because we've been dealing with it for years. But to the new powerlifter, it's like mind-blowing. Like, yeah. whoa. Mm-hmm. come from more of a bodybuilding background. There's a bodybuilding culture of hands almost touching each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. So nothing is, is too simple. Um, I talked about this with Riley like well over a year mm-hmm. ago. She wanted to put up a, a video of the difference between RIR, which is reps in reserve, RPE versus percentages. She's like, nah, that's too basic. I'm like, I have two top five lifters who couldn't tell you what RPE is right now. People don't have a clue. <laughs> and I, I told her that. She's like, wow, I didn't really think about that. So she grew up in an RPE system. She understood mm-hmm. it. She prefers to use reps and reserve now. It was commonplace to her. The video did very well because mm. most people will see that number. I'm sorry, see that letter and be intimidated to ask, what does RPE mean? Because they don't want to seem like somebody mm. doesn't know. Mm. Most people are too intimidated to ask and say, I don't know. But when it's online, they can do that in the comfort of their home and never have to be embarrassed and say, I don't know. Now they're saying, thank you for teaching. 
So that's the first thing I would do is never to say, we have this. Come with an open, open hand, you know? Yeah. Offer them something in return for their, their membership, for their being a service, for them being a follower or whatever. You know, provide value first and expect the client second. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I would also add to that, like, to be flexible with your methods, but be stringent with your system. Like what we're talking about, you know, make sure that make sure that you from the very get go of like starting this business, make sure that whatever parameters that you set for how you want your clients to contact you, when you want to work, when you want to do these things, everything to like actually operate the business, make sure that you have those like uh, planned out and stick to those. Because people will respect your time better when you respect your own time. So if you set up your sort of boundaries from the start, you'll never get frustrated because you set the expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really important. And also, one thing that I dislike a lot that I see is people speaking in absolute. Um, so as, as coaches, I don't think that you should ever speak in an absolute because there's always going to be an exception. Mm-hmm. Um, it could work for 90% of people, but there's still 10% of people that it doesn't work for and vice versa. So as people that are providing value, like Trevor mentioned, making sure that you're not just saying, this is wrong. This is the only way to do it. Do it my way. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Don't, don't have it as that. I think that that's one of like, the red flags for me when following someone else who coaches or following someone who's trying to start coaching is they try to like cherry pick on these things and they're like, this is wrong. This is how I do it. This is how you should and that, to me, I immediately don't want to listen to that person anymore because it tells me that they're closed-minded. Yeah. So being open to methodologies and how things are going to work for other listeners, um, I think is really, really important to your growth because you'll reach more listeners that way. Not everyone lists the same. Not everyone likes the same sort of style, um, that sort of thing. So stringent with your uh, boundaries and everything, but flexible with mm-hmm. people. I like that. What's great I, is... Go ahead, Trevor. I say, that's very hard for a lot of coaches to grasp because they want to demonstrate some level of authority. Yeah. So they'll speak in an authoritative manner and they don't realize that their saying is as, as, as an absolute. And what you'll learn the longer you coach people is while that might be true for the majority of people, it's not necessarily true for all people. Yeah. And as a coach, you're going to work with a lot of different individuals. You have to have some versatility and different yeah. methods. Yeah. See, that's Absolutely. something that um me – I've been in the sport for about six years now, and I have figured out through my education, experience, and being around experienced lifters and really good experienced coaches such as yourself, Trevor, that 99% of the programs out there and methods all work. It's just how you apply them to the individual. Mm-hmm. So I'm, never, I'm not an absolute. This is the way it's got to be. Mm-hmm. It's not that way either. No. Stay a student. Always a student. I always tell people if the system has a name and more than a hundred people know about it, it's probably worked for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Everything kind of works until it does, yeah. right? So yeah. it starts off on like a linear periodization model and it's gonna work until it doesn't. And then maybe yeah. you switch to concurrent, maybe yeah. you go to block and like, you know, you're gonna be cycling around all the time. I find that with listeners now to where I've gone to different training styles because something just wasn't working for a little while. Yeah. Whether that needed something to uh, switch up because they were starting to get yeah bored or stressed out or whatever or it just literally was not progressing them anymore and you have to find new ways to progress them if you only have one tool you're not going to be able to reach everyone so being flexible and open i think is really really important i had a a client one time that was kind of getting burned out and he wasn't making the progress that he felt like he should 
So as I told him, I said, why not just take, you know, four to five months away from powerlifting and just bodybuild. And if you want to squat, bench, and deadlift, we can mm-hmm. program that in. He says, okay, mm-hmm. I'll do that. And we literally did not go over like 50% on squats because he was doing so much volume there. And he was doing sets of like eight to 10 because that's what he wanted to do. It's like, okay, if that's what you want to do and you want to do a bodybuilding style program for a while. And he literally nearly doubled on every his uh, poundage on everything because he took time and built the crap out of a base by doing bodybuilding. Well, yeah. sometimes sometimes it's just a mental break too. Makes mm-hmm. you feel like not only did you help build his base, but you gave him a break from just working with like the squat bench and deadlift, getting yeah. a one rep max. Like everyone kind of needs that off uh, season. That's why I like working with RPE, RIR, and like percentage, mm-hmm. like being flexible with all I of like them. That. Because I've had clients that you know were on like percentage work, and then all of a sudden she's just out of nowhere failing percentages mm-hmm. every single week that she should be hitting. I'm like, are you, you know, maybe we need to change it up. So we switched it to like an RIR base and now mm-hmm. she's thriving, hitting rep PRs, yes. moving on up. It's a lot less stress for her brain because she's not so hyper-focused on having to hit that percent. number. Yeah. People mm-hmm. get that, they psych themselves out like, oh, I got to hit this, you know, 600 pounds or whatever. Well, well if you yeah. just go up to like, you know, reps in reserve of maybe leave three reps in the tank and then, okay. Yep. So I work up until it feels like I've got that left and then stop. Takes a lot of sometimes people jump. Say that again. Sometimes people jump over that number. Like if yeah. six hundred is the prescribed percentage or whatever, and you give them the IR, then they end up doing like six oh five or six ten because yeah. they mm-hmm. over it. They're not obsessed okay. over a number. They're they're focused on how their body is moving and how it's feeling. Yep. See, that's exactly. I like programming with IR IRI or um I, I mess think I'm messing it up an RPE. And then what I typically do whenever I send programs, uh, there is a simple, you know, color-coded RPE scale that explains RPE very well, like a kindergartner could understand it. And I, <laughs> I put that, I, I use Word documents for my programming, and I type out everything, which I'm going to have to figure out something better probably. But I put that, <laughs> I put that in there. Yeah, but I put that on there at the very top of the program. And I write notes underneath it. And that way it's explained. I'm a big fan of simplicity. Yeah, keep I it think simple. the more complex coach tries to make it, it shows their lack of skill as a coach. And that's, that's really where mm-hmm. I felt the most is taking the complex and making it simple. Yes. People love to, you know, break out like skeletal models and, and have graphs and charts and, and all these things and try and break these things down and explain them. It's like, if you can't explain it to a four-year-old, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. four or five or six why they're doing something and then you're going to get any client to understand why they're doing something they're going to buy into it it becomes so complex you just you get the paralysis analysis that Riley always talks mm-hmm. about so simple are you hungry good let's go eat you know it's yeah. that simple mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. let's find out either what's lacking in the squat or maybe give you more squat practice it's that mm-hmm. simple mm-hmm. you know if your quads are weak we're going to target your quads if your trunk is weak we're going to target your trunk it's that mm-hmm. simple it doesn't need to be some undulating wave program for eight months at a time with yeah. an auto, auto regulation RPE system. It's got complex. You've already gone over yeah. the line. You know, when you're working with yeah. coaches, they like to ask those questions because they want to better understand. But when you're working yeah. with a client who's just powerlifting from their side job, like they have a manual labor job or they're a mom with, with two kids and this is their break from soccer practice, they go to the gym and they power lift, you want to keep it as simple as possible because yeah. mm-hmm. they're going to deal with it. Yeah. 
I would say most of the majority of my clients run percentages. I do run RPE, but for uh, the majority of my clients, they've been really well off on percentages. I like percentages, but I know some people cannot, you know, handle that all the time or handle loads constantly. Sometimes I can't even handle the loads I have to do. Yeah, <laughs> I have to adjust myself. That's what we're also looking RPE. <laughs> yeah. There are some times where like 90% is like an RPE 7, and there's sometimes where 70% yeah. is and videos sometimes are deceiving yes i sent zach my 815 the other night and i was like i feel awful doing this and he's like what are you talking about this is fast it's it was fast, fast as I crap felt, like, he I sat down like and popped world. up it was so I fast said, yeah. don't ask somebody what your rpe is yeah, <laughs> yeah. literally happened in the gym of the day like my deadlift felt terrible Mm-hmm. Uh, last warm up was 705 and it flew like I felt that it flew yeah. but it god awful yeah. it looked really like, bad yeah. so I jumped to 771 and strained my oblique because <laughs> I, knew I, I knew I was off and so yeah. that's where RPE comes in because it's subjective to how it felt not how it looked yeah. and if yeah. you feel yeah. feel like you're not moving great mm-hmm. then it's at the lower end of that RPE, not push to the higher end of the RPE, just because it moves. Yes, that's where it can get real mm-hmm. tricky with a lot of people because they'll send you a video like, "What do you think the RPE is?" Like, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. How did it feel? Yeah, that's what you have to understand. What auto regulation yeah. means is how did it feel? Yep. Probably the process that like kind of you know makes people mad because they they're like getting frustrated because they're like, "I don't think I'm hitting the right RPE." And I'm like, it's frustrating, but if you can like through that process and kind of figure it out you learn your body and your body's yes. auto-regulation recovery so much better if you can be like okay this was a pretty accurate rp8 like yeah. i've been using it enough to the point where i'm like okay this is a seven but if i jump up it's going to be a nine so i'm going to stay yes kind of mm-hmm. and first. that's yes. Like, you know, longevity yep yep mm-hmm. exactly um uh, trevor was talking about his deadlift and i was super stoked to finally smash 700 pounds in my last minute. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy. That's, that's how it goes. I mean, you had a really tough prep because you had like a strained adductor or a strained yeah. hip, if I'm not mistaken. And I couldn't and yet, push squat and, and or deadlift or bench. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where I would tell people like, you really don't know what's going to happen until you show up for me day. And if it's a bad day, so what? Yeah. It's one, one day. day. You have 364 days a year. If you had one bad day out of 364, you're doing awesome. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I just I like people act like well if you're not going to do well or you've been hurt why why bother going to me I'm like I'm not in so much pain I can't compete mm-hmm. I just may not be my best but you never know by that time I might smash it you were feeling awful and prep and you smashed the meat because yeah. you kept your mind in. yeah because like, I tore my hip flexor you know sometimes we have great meat preps and shitty meat mm-hmm. and sometimes mm-hmm. you uh, terrible meat preps and great you know like it, it goes either way you don't yeah. really know what you're get until you show up you always get what you earn that's for sure um but you never know what you're gonna get until you show up but you know people get so hung up on like oh i i, I have to go nine for nine or i have to do this and i have to do this and they stress themselves out to the point of like taking all the fun out of it mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's fun you know and um people have told me before i don't oh i don't think you uh, i've been told before like oh i don't think you like competing i'm like no i really like competing i'm very competitive i just keep it to myself yes um but, you know like it's that's what that's the whole point of training 
You know, like at some mm-hmm. point, that's the whole point of training as a competitive powerlifter. You are training to compete. You're not training for the most part just to train. You're generally training mm-hmm. to compete. Yes. General fitness is going to be a lot less frustrating than powerlifting training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, what today? I did? Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, to be honest, like I had a lot, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I shouldn't have because I just had, you know, the year before I hit my elite total, had an amazing prep, went nine for nine. Um, had just performed just perfectly, and then the start of this prep, I tear my hip flexor, and it's like crap. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, I hit an elite total at a hundred percent. How am I going to even match that? And I'm not even seventy percent. Well, it's not always going to be that like direct linear progression up no, you know yeah. like mm-hmm. are you total less you're gonna have me see if i'm out you're gonna have me free do better yeah. it's the same you know and like mm-hmm. kind of all part of it if they were all perfect and went up we would only ever have to you know like we would only ever have to do like a couple meets and then be like cool <laughs> reach my quota you know? see I'm, so. i feel like i'm still new enough as a lifter that every meet that i've done so far i've progressed in total every single one of them this last meet was the least amount of progress I made ever in a meet um, and because the only lift that was a PR was my third attempt deadlift at 700. I just matched my best uh, 622 squat and 385 bench. But I call those PRs an aspect of I made them look easier than I did the last meet. Technical PR? And your Technical. total went up, right? My total went up. It, to me, that's always... That's what determines if you have a successful meet. Mm-hmm. Total went up. Not a PR in every lift. I had literally done a meet where I didn't PR a single lift, but my I PR my total. Okay. You know, because they don't get match. There's been meets where I've had mm-hmm. higher meet where I've had higher squats, but somehow I've, I've done meets where without even hitting a single platform PR, I PR my total. And to me, that's a very successful meet. Yeah. Uh, you'd ask for a quote. Of, yeah, you'd ask for a mm-hmm. quote, and I gave you the uh, the Bruce Lee quote. I just, there's two quotes that I always live by that I love, and one of them is a little meaner. It's the Mark Twain quote, and he's like, the, the problem with common sense is it's not all that common. I'm like, but that's probably not great for the podcast. I mean, no, it's very true, though. I mean, I would say <laughs> it. Very true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> the first quote is, is all the way from the 70s, and it's, I don't fear the man who knows 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who practiced one kick 10,000 times. Yes. Mm-hmm. So many books have taken to a different realm now, like Robert Greene's Mastery, and and Malcolm Gladwell's outlier, you know, the 10,000 hour rule. If I look at training as good or bad, I'm going to be frustrated. But if I look at it as skill acquisition, skill practice, and mastery, I'm never going to be frustrated. Because even if I didn't lift the absolute weight I was supposed to or didn't move great, I can look into how can I move this better? How can I move this more? I'm still getting some type of effect. I'm working on the motor skill. Because that's how you start up on the knee and still PR your total. Because even though you were injured and you couldn't train as heavy, you made sure that every rep absolutely counted. Yes. And you practiced the skill of the movement. And on meet day, that's what showed up. Yes. The man who practiced one kick 10,000 times PR'd his total, even though he didn't train it heavier and heavier and heavier because he worked on the skill acquisition. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at this in the long-term development of sports. How much more refined, how much better can I get with my skill of the squat, bench, and deadlift? Mm-hmm. They don't see that as a skill. They're like, oh, it's just a squat, bench, and deadlift. It's like when you work with a thousand different athletes and body types, you start to realize it is a skill. Yeah, it's a skill. Some people have better advantages, mm-hmm. leverages or mass, like like 
I could never squat the same way Logan does unless I weighed what Logan was and had Logan's proportions. And vice versa, that couldn't be either. You know, you have to understand what that athlete is working for. So when, when Zach was at the seminar in Dallas, I didn't give everyone the same exact cue. I didn't give everyone the same exact form. It's finding their form, finding mm-hmm. their We're all going to squat, bench, and deadlift, but we're mm-hmm. not squat, bench, and deadlift the same. That's right. So I always said that quote is a great representation of powerlifting because it is skill mastery within your body, within your structure, mm-hmm. proving your strength on top of that. I get so many questions all the time about, you know, how how can I like deadlift like you or how could I get or squat like you? And first you thing, it's not, you can't. can't. It's not going to be, it's not feasible. It's not going to happen. You have to practice. And the, the best ones is when I do an AMA and people are like, uh, how do you gain uh, weight on squat? I'm like, squat more, do more, <laughs> like go through the process of squatting more. And they hate that. People hate the, that simple answer, but it is. That's the, that's the answer. They try to squat like a lifter they see on Instagram instead of trying to figure exactly. out what is optimal for them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, let's talk mm. about your new supplement company. Yeah. Ultra right. yeah. Nutra. It so is what is the, the name? What's it? What, what's the, the, is there a backstory to the name of it? Yeah. So for many years, my, my cooking has been kind of jokingly dubbed the Jaffe Colt. And Colt was always short for Colt. Yeah. Because we were known for showing up the meat and loading in the warm-up room for other athletes, helping people, or having a lot of lifting parties at different gyms around Florida. We would literally travel around Florida. And 12 to 15 athletes that I would work with or just friends with would show up and all train together. And so they jokingly kept calling us the Jaffe Colt. And cult was always short for culture because I grew up in an environment where you helped everybody. You know, I would, I would go train in someone's garage and you showed up for everybody else's competition on that you trained with in the garage. You cleaned up after everyone. You were respectful to somebody else's home. You were respectful to the community. That kind of changed a little bit with Instagram where people are against each other. And Mm -hmm. so strength culture was how Mm -hmm. I was. Someone took the time to teach me. Someone took the time to invite me to come to them with them to the gym and spend time training together and doing so. So it's always something I've encouraged is creating that strength culture within other people. So we wanted to start a supplement company. We, we wanted to have that culture where everybody belongs instead of that you can't sit here mentality. So strength culture was the backbone of our company. So if you look in the bio on the page there, and I encourage people to do so, it talks about what culture means to us and why we are culture I like that. It's awesome. Do y'all want to talk about yeah, the products? Absolutely. Go ahead, Riley. Uh, one of our hashtags is like, like our hashtag, like, you know, culture neutral, strength culture, and then we use one of us, you know, so it's like everyone kind of belongs to the community, mm-hmm. um, all brought together by like camaraderie. We all have the same goal. You know, everyone's lifting, everyone wants to get stronger and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, Grant are obviously, you know, selling products and selling supplements, but anyone can be part of having that sort of community, you know, like it's made up of people with all of the same sort of goals and everything so um it's just nice to have something that that makes people feel like they belong you know like mm-hmm. something that's good surrounded by good people that are wanting to up with you and bring you up so that ends up being um kind of the backbone of it yeah i mean most of us in powerlifting usually didn't fit in somewhere else the sport is chill with a lot of mission yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. get very very well and get along very very well yeah. So it's always been kind of a play on words because 
strength force is made up with the most outcasts of individuals who all seem to get along, all work together, yes. all encourage each other, feed off of that. That's friendly, you know, that friendly rivalry. So strength culture to me means a lot. And I wanted to make sure that the company was something that gave back to that and over time develops and, and provides for the, to the culture as well. So we had plans for those kinds of things, but we're, we're still new. So we haven't quite uh, unleashed all the ideas that we potentially have. Um, but we have, you know, we have sports supplements in there. Like we have two different uh, pre-workouts. Um, Which are good. And I like the Hype 2.0. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and good. The higher amount of caffeine, so the Hype 2.0 has 225 milligrams of caffeine versus the original Hype has 175. Um, they both have the citrulline, the beta alanine to it. Uh, the Hype 2.0 has added uh, dynamine in there, which helps extend the half-life of caffeine. So you get that sustained energy for a lot longer. And it's another stimulant that kind of keeps you more focused. Um, so those are kind of, seem to be, like the Hype 2.0 seems to be like our, our like one product. Like it's definitely the mm-hmm. most popular right now. Um, so we also have like creatine. We have um, whey protein and chocolate and vanilla. Um, we have a Stim product that is basically just like it. Yeah, it's an energy pill. So if you mm-hmm. don't if you don't want to take your pre workout and get like the face singles and the pump, you can take stim to get more focus and more energy. Okay. I'll face singles. You don't. <laughs> yeah. I love face singles. When we go to the gym and they're kind of thing, I don't notice the face singles. But when we choose to work out in the garage and the heat is 110, as soon as we walk out, they're like, my face is tingling. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's my favorite thing. I like to feel like just jittery. There you go. We have health related products like magnesium, glycinate, joint support, uh, high potency absorption, turmeric for, for pain and inflammation of liver health and stuff like that. Multivitamins of men and women. Uh, that's something we want to grow to where there's like a, a, a unisex formula for the multivitamin over time, not just the men's or women's and so yeah. forth. Like we have a lot of plans of things that we want to grow to, such as sponsoring me and, you know, an affiliate program oftentimes for people who want to be involved. That's but awesome. it just takes time. Uh, it's exciting. It's new. I appreciate the support from so many people like like Zach. He, you know, right away, he, he reached out. He's like, I can't wait to try it. Um, I got, like, shirts made up, so I had a shirt. I hope you're an extra large. I had a shirt made up for you. <laughs> extra large. Perfect. <laughs> so, you know, I sent some to some friends of mine, like, try it. Give me honest feedback. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like. Like, that was a big thing for us, is making sure that, that we didn't just have a supplement company, but we had things that people actually enjoy using. Well, that and their products that we use as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like if you go on the website, there is a Riley stack and there is a Trevor stack. And these are things that we like to make sure to take yes. every single day. Like mm-hmm. We, as part of our daily routine, we uh, religiously take our supplements every single morning. He sets out our pills for us to take for bedtime and we have our morning pills. And like all of these include, you know, the omegas, the probiotics, magnesium, the sleep formula, all these things that we are selling, we actually take ourselves. Yes. So it wasn't just like, oh, we'll just make a supplement company and sell whatever. We specifically chose these products because these are what we currently use. Yes. Um, one of the ones that's been really hot that we weren't sure about was the superfood. Super uh, the apple mm-hmm. cinnamon superfoods has been like the that. And the- They're oh, the best. Yeah. They're, I ordered that, the pre-workout and the magnesium. So good. They're really good. It's I was so actually good. really like, when we tested, we, you know, we wanted to make sure that we liked the flavors and stuff too. Mm-hmm. And um, he doesn't eat vegetables. So I thought the greens would be good. Yeah, <laughs> I love vegetables. Yeah, you know, I, I, I love vegetables. To counteract, yes, <laughs> like, like, but what's, what I, I like about it. it? What I like about it is most of your greens products, even the really like 
notarized brands or whatever usually still has kind of a gross taste to it. But yours don't. Yeah. It's got a good taste. Yeah, it tastes really good apple cinnamon. Uh, I've had it in like smoothies. I've had it with mixed with like the vanilla protein. Um, it's good every way I've had it. And I, you know, like I know that I liked it, but sometimes you worry that you have your own biases about yeah. your product. Like, good. And then as people were starting to order it, you know, I was like getting a little anxious. So I'm like, man, what if they don't mm. like it? <laughs> green, and then, uh, green powders are very popular. Yeah. And then uh, bought it and given us feedback and been like, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. I'm like, yeah, it's so exciting. That's awesome. <laughs> We're going to keep drinking it. My my wife and I drink it every morning. Good. I'm glad you both like it. And sometimes I have one in the morning, one at night. I just had a client that was like, do you think that I could drink it twice a day? And I'm like, you <laughs> that it would come from is maybe you see digestion you may go to the bathroom a little bit more but yeah. I, I like vegetables um, I'm the type of guy that I'm gonna take like crushed spinach and I'm taking like four cups and put in of that and put it in a uh, blender I'm taking carrot a cup of carrot juice um, Greek yogurt uh, some fruit like a serving of fruit and I'm mixing that stuff together and I'm drinking it two or three times a day because I want I'm I all- I do like fruit. <laughs> you lost him. You lost him. Like fruit. You lost him at carrot juice, and you lost him at Greek yogurt. Yeah. He doesn't like Greek yogurt. Uh, I like plain. Well, that's plain. This has got no, no flavor to it. It's just a plain. No, he doesn't like the bitterness, the bitterness of the Greek yogurt. Oh. Well, when you put it in a shake like that, and you like mix either strawberries, um, I don't really do bananas. That's kind of eh. <laughs> <laughs> or peaches, or blackberry, or something like that. I do that so I can get my, you know, the the fruit that you need throughout the day, you you know, fructose and stuff like that. And then I do the the spinach just for the benefits of spinach and then carrots because there's a lot of the carrot juice because carrots don't mix up very well in a blender. It kind of makes it gritty mm-hmm. and I don't like that. The carrot juice allows me to get the benefits of carrots without the grittiness. And I just, I like yeah, it. Carrots are natural um, state of carotene. And the, the, uh, you mentioned the spinach. There's so many nutrients. It's like one of the most nutrient dense foods you can eat yes. spinach naturally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except I, in my super, my super greens, yeah. I do. And but it, yeah. And if I can t- see if you buy it, like I buy the freezer bags of it because it's smaller. Like a cup of, you know, like cooked down spinach is like four hand, big handfuls of dry spinach. Yeah. So I'll <laughs> so, do I'm the world, Zach. Go on Amazon and uh-huh. type in spinach powder. Spinach powder. Spinach powder. Okay. I used to put it in my into workout drink because the nutrients that are in spinach and the high potassium levels. I used to just get pure spinach powder and just put a teaspoon in my intro and just mix it up. I wouldn't taste it because it has no flavor. Yeah. But I don't like to vegetable. But you can actually mm. get organic ground up spinach powder that you can drop into your drinks. Or say, I mean, you don't need now with super greens, but I'm you can do that. <laughs> well, it is so much better. <laughs> and it never goes bad unless the spinach you buy at the grocery store. It's just sitting yeah. in a jar. I'm going to probably do that because I like getting a lot of vegetables in because it you know, kind of helps me stay full. I really can eat a lot. Um, okay. <laughs> Trevor, I got up to 242 during this uh, this last prep. Oh, man. With my crazy travel schedule and all the awful food I was eating and living in a hotel for six weeks of Titus, I think my weight topped off at like 227. And my normal walk around is like 206 to 208. I'm just back to right now. We're like five weeks ago. <laughs> I'm 225 right now. 
I'm at a light 340. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Logan. Y'all are talking about you're talking about all this nice food and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I like cheeseburgers, <laughs> uh, pizza. Yeah, I was like, man. When you squat that much, you can do what you want. Yeah, I, I do whatever. Just do whatever. Yeah. Zach and I went to. I don't remember what the restaurant was called, but they had the most unique menu ever. Yes, and you could customize things. So I customized a burger. I had a, a burger with. Swiss cheese and barbecue sauce, and I think it was like Cajun curly fries. Yes, <laughs> that's crazy. That's awesome. I just got a steak. <laughs> I was plain. Just a steak. I was plain, but yeah, that, um, that place had all kinds of like seasoned mac and cheeses. They had um like cake and bake meals that were like yes. like uh, it was like uh, that's cool. Eat loaf with mashed potatoes and you would like take it, but it was like some weird no, stuff. It was some weird That's stuff. That's weird. It's cool though. Yeah. yeah. It was really cool. And it was very good. Yeah. And that was a nice conversation that we got to sit down and talk and have a good time visiting with you. It was great. It was. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, um, I missed it. You missed it. I wish you was there. <laughs> I know. Me too. So, I guess talking about seminars and things and visiting, are y'all ever going to travel and do any seminars together? Like this way? Uh, I think February, right? Yeah. February will be in Michigan, Michigan. Uh, in Lapeer, Michigan, uh-huh. I think, somewhere oh. outside of Flint. 8020 Club, 8020 Barbell Club mm-hmm. in Michigan in the middle of winter again. That was my judgment. Oh, my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't like, we don't like the cold. And he was like, oh, we're going to go to Michigan. And, and uh, we know one of the girls that goes there because she helped us set it up. And I was like, oh, cool. When are we going? And he's like, February. I'm like, Anywhere. <laughs> better dry, like, buy your jacket from you, there for there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last time we went to Michigan for a seminar, it was negative seven degrees was the low and plus one degrees was the high. Forget <laughs> that. Man. Forget that. Being from South Florida, I'm not familiar with driving in the snow, which Riley picked up on very quickly. <laughs> He's like, Have you ever driven in the snow before? I'm like, oh, this is my first time. What did you say? Like, yeah. like, like you're breaking. driving in the snow and we're mm-hmm. driving, I'm, we're getting real close to a red light and I'm like oh he's not hitting the brakes yet I'm like this <laughs> I'm like hey are you are you gonna show the red light and he's like yeah I got it like kind of start sliding a little bit and I'm like oh, no. car, like with like <laughs> blinders on around oh, I, I am true Florida man yeah. <laughs> <Everywhere> <laughs> <I go. laughs> he's like in the middle of the road because he can't see the lane because there's like and stuff, and I'm just like, oh my god, we cannot. <laughs> I will drive in the snow. I take over city driving because you get stressed out with like city driving narrow streets and like parallel parking. So like, there's no, there's no parking. I don't want to park on the street. <laughs> so I have the and I have the city driving. Otherwise, he drives. Goodness, <laughs> that's crazy. I am trying to figure out some time because I have to take another week of vacation. Um, where I work, they after being there five years you have to take two weeks of vacation so i've got another five days i have to take and i'm gonna try to get down there to florida to y'all and train with y'all that'd be fun this is the place to visit in the winter yeah in the winter (laughs) our winter is everybody else's fall (laughs) well it's kind of like that in arkansas yeah we're in the south we don't have that that really that big of a winter this year was a 
very abnormal. Yeah. We had 24-ish mm-hmm. inches of snow this year. Yeah. It's we uncommon. don't get any snow. Yeah. Yeah, it's uncommon. We're negative snow. Yeah. It's been hot over been here, too. Hot. Real hot. And the humidity very is hot. like 100%. Ugh. Yeah, that we currently have. Yeah. Mm. But I got to figure June, out. July. I got to figure out that five-day vacation before the end of this year. I never would have dreamed that finding time for vacation would be difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. We have a, I mean, I think there's one other seminar that we have this November, but I think it's, I'll be going with, but I think it's just Trevor in Orlando. Well, I have our calendar over here. Um, I think that those are the only two seminars that we have planned. Like, we obviously have um, Showdown in September that we'll be competing at. And then we have Surge in Chicago that we'll be competing at in October. We have um, another Chicago Barbell Compound, I believe, will be the Nightmare Before uh, Halloween. I thought it was that Broken Barbell. It might be. Either way, uh, (laughs) Missouri or Illinois in October to judge and meet. November, he has a seminar in Orlando. Missouri? Yep. Missouri. Yeah. Okay, that's the, that's like yeah. right. That's like state right diagonal from us. So mm-hmm. I, I can if it's that broken bar, I'm super close to Missouri. Okay, so we. Super I'm gonna try to, to probably Missouri. make it down there to that one. Then will you be there, Raleigh? Yeah, but okay. we'll, we'll see up there. Judging it's gonna okay. be our VF meet uh, the day before Halloween. So if we can, we're gonna try to schedule it, and I'll, I'd like to try to get down there at least. And I, I'm sure if Logan can, he'll try to come down. Yeah. There also. You can stay at my place if you want to, and then we can go up there. Oh, it'll sweet. be closer to me. Make it easier. Yes. Boom. Yes. Exactly. I'll bring this with me. And I've got three mics. And if y'all yeah. have a mic, it's got one of these, I don't know what the cord thing right here is called. The connector. Like the whatever it is. The connector. Yeah. <laughs> whatever it is that hooks right into this machine. It's super easy. Very, very there's, simple. There's one thing that Trevor and I are really good at that's talking. Yes. So you can pretty much guarantee that. Always yeah, I mean, yeah. let me go. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a, a couple more questions for you guys. Um, what are some either personal or athletic goals that you have that are short term and long term? Like either just life or or anything. Um, so for training, my when I started competing, I competed at one eighty one. Um, and then I worked my way down to 165, and then showed out to 148. My goal is to beat my 181 total at 148. And I'm very close. Like my my uh, my calculations from the gym this past week put me about 30 pounds away from that 181 total. Um, so I would like to surpass my 181 total at 148. I think that would be that's just like a really small like kind of personal goal that's actually probably closer than I think it is. Um, my ultimate goal that I have like written down on my little notepads and stuff is like, I want uh, 1200 raw at 165. Oh, yeah. I don't know how it's going to take, but we'll see mm-hmm. um, how I fare with getting stronger after coming up from the 148 cut. Um, eventually, I'd like to get in wraps, but I prefer competing raw. So, right now, I'd like to see how far I can take that. Raw total, probably at 165 and maybe like a random 148 meet every single year. Um, I think that's, that's about it, like athletic-wise. Um, you know, with coaching, I just want to continue to keep growing that. Like, 
we kind of been talking about this, like how do we keep kind of growing and scaling and like throwing around different ideas of, you know, creating like uh, affiliate coaching programs below us to where we're like running coaching affiliate things where there's, you know, four or five coaches under each of us and we're yeah. teaching them or mentoring them. Um, I personally want to get better at the, at doing seminars. I am, I haven't really done any with Trevor. I go to all of them and like, I'm pretty comfortable with them, but still there's a little bit of hesitation for me with getting out there with as far as the critique of lists go. Like whenever we get to the point where, you know, break down spot by some lists, I get a little get a little shy there and I know I shouldn't because I know that I know what I'm talking about yeah. mm-hmm. but so I'm I think with those I'd like to get a little bit more proficient at giving seminars and be more confident with that um, just continuing to grow coaching and then um, obviously grow culture new trust as big as we can make it and give as much as we can with that oh man athletically for me it's tough competing <laughs> years and I've, I've hit some pretty amazing numbers on the platform so it's hard to ever pick that, but after I lost my, my left eye doctor preparing for a rap meet, I came up with the idea because I knew I was not going to go before wrap back on again. There's not having the eye doctor when you come out of the hole, there's nothing there for the hip extension. I came up with the idea that my short-term goal would be to exceed my wraps total in sleep. So that gives me something to aim. So I want to exceed my wraps total in sleep. That's always been my goal for me to aim for. Um, Initially, was to hit the 800 pound competition deadlift, but I've done that. So now I'd like to, I'd like to surpass that and move that up, obviously. But it's not as important to me as pushing my total path where it was in wraps in sleep. That's a bigger deal to me. Um, professionally, like Riley talked about, I'd like to have a point where I mentor other coaches or encourage them to help them grow the business in that aspect. Where I'd like to have an affiliate coaching or junior coaching program under that, as long as, as well as grow Culture Nutra to something to where we are either hosting meets or sponsoring multiple meets. I'd like to sponsor meets and sponsor athletes, um, not just the high-level athletes. I think that's where a lot of sponsorships go wrong. Uh, we have something coming out that we'll, we'll talk about next month, but I want to be there for the everyday athlete who competes, not just the people who are setting world that's records awesome. or have that's the very awesome. mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Everybody pays the same membership fee to the organization that mm-hmm. pays three feet to the meet. And I want to make sure that everyone gets rewarded for that or encouraged to be part of that because I think that's what grows the culture and grows the community is encouraging people to belong and partake in, which is why we've jumped over to repping. It's why we've helped structure and organize RPS with Jordan and we're there to volunteer and help that and do this thing. So I want to grow the sport in a way that, you know, uh, how do I say this? Not that the sport needs to change. I think the sport's great. People always talk about how do you make the sport better. You don't need to make the sport better. You just need to make it more encouraging for other people so they don't feel yes. intimidated to be there. Mm-hmm. Some people can be very yes. bullshit or egotistical, and it puts off the other lifter. Where mm-hmm. the so I want them to encourage that everybody starts somewhere. And every seminar, I've always told the story how I was the last kid in my class to bench the barbell. My freshman year of high school, when I had PE, we had gym. I was literally the last kid, including the women, to bench the barbell. Now, my, my bench is still nothing fantastic. But I have internationally totaled in two different weight classes on Elite 3, so I've managed to, you know, work around that. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to encourage people because strength empowers you for every aspect of life. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, people outside of athletic competition are really involving more of my relationship with Riley or my relationship with my son. I want to make sure that he sees that literally anything that you want to do is capable if you're trying hard enough. Yes. Because he's always asked, Dad, you, you've hurt yourself so many times. Why do you keep doing it? And <laughs> The same as always, just because I've hurt myself doesn't mean I don't enjoy it and doesn't mean I should quit. 
it means I should keep going and persevere because I'll never know how great I can be if I don't keep trying. Yeah. And that's a lesson that takes away from not just my sports, but to his life, that he's capable of great things if he truly applies himself. And I hate to use the word suffering because this is self-imposed. We choose yeah. to do this sport. But mm-hmm. life is so hard for most people. And the second it gets difficult, they back down or they quit or they give up on whatever their goal is. And the truly exceptional people in this world are those people who didn't quit. Yeah. I was never a great athlete. I was never meant to be a, a, a you know international elite athlete. I forced myself there through persistence. I'm, I'm that little Jewish kid from the Burbs who shouldn't be here, but yet he is. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember my, my high school guidance counselor because I became enamored with the gym in, in high school. He's like, no one's ever going to pay to work out. And man, was he wrong. But I yeah. remember that mindset. My son loves video games, like loves video games. So I try and look at, okay, how can he monetize that? How can he make that his career? How can he make that his profession? Because it is his passion right now. Yeah. So I talked to him about, you know, content creators or, you know, uh, coders and game developers and streamers, streaming. You know, I always talk about those avenues where he could, if he's passionate enough about something, he can make it his life yes. if he truly tries. And there's schools and that specialize in that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it always means something to me to be more resilient than other people because that's how you become exceptional. Yes. And all those injuries are opportunities to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. Well, some people never get to that stage of even knowing how great they could be because they give up like when it starts to get hard. Yes. You know, Absolutely. A lot of people burn out in the sport because they either, you know, everyone's going to get an injury. Like it's going to happen regardless. Like I don't care how careful you are. Like it's going to happen. Um, but people will burn out because it's and then instead of accepting the challenge and like leaning into that and being okay with that, they're like, it's a little too hard. I don't think I can handle it. I'm just going to cut my losses while I'm, you know, new in it. And then they never even realize like how good they can be. And that's also a mindset that I have similar to Trevor is like, I don't ever want to be like, that was good enough. Yeah. You know, like that's never want to say like, that was good enough. That was okay. I actually had a dream the other night that I stepped on a scale and the doctor told me I was mediocre. And I, <laughs> I, <laughs> like, so I, I woke up and I was like, am I, am I, am I strong enough? Am I mediocre? Am I, <laughs> and I was like, and I don't, and like that whole day I was like, I don't want to be mediocre. Like that was like the worst thing that could ever happen to me. <laughs> I was, Worst nightmare. Dreams so I, sometimes I can mess with you. Having great enough resiliency in their own life to, like, you know, we've had terrible, like, I've had a terrible childhood. I've had a lot of happen to me. So having a bad gym doesn't seem that bad. Yeah. You know, like, it, it sucks and no one wants to go through it. But, like, I've been through way, way, way worse days that, like, I can get through a, mm-hmm. a bad process. Yeah, it changes your perspective on challenges in life. Powerlifters, I have this thing where I call powerlifters powerlifting princesses because they make excuses for everything. They're, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I'm so fatigued because I have to wrap my own knees at this meet. I can't handle it, this and yep. that. And it's like, come on, like you're wrapping your <laughs> knees. You're- well, we live in an instant gratification kind of this. Uh, people just want everything now. They don't want to work for yeah. anything anymore. They don't want to pursue it. I've been in it for about, or trying to do this for 10 years. And. I'm just now like I can't I can't like Jaffe, that was perfect when you said the barbell it took you that long. I was stuck I couldn't even bench my body weight for literally three years beginning of doing anything. I couldn't 
and I was fat, like I was a little fat kid. <laughs> I was, it was, man, like I couldn't even bench anything. I couldn't hardly squat nothing. I could just, I could pick up a barbell pretty good though. Uh, it's the only thing I could do halfway decent, but it speaks volumes. I, I like that a lot. I just realized Logan's it, shirt says blaze up. Yes. I work, I work at a, <laughs> I work at a place that might sell questionable things. <laughs> um, and it's just part of it. So, you know, I'm just here. I mean, it is I'm what here, it is. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> or may not invest in the alternative harvest ETF. So I get it. <laughs> that, there you go. There you I go. don't partake, but I'm willing to enjoy the success of what it is. There you go. Exactly. So we're going to get to wrapping this up. It's an hour and eight minutes. Do you have any questions for them, Logan? No, everything was perfect. I thought it was awesome. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Before we get to sign off, the most important question that we ever ask any guest is if either of you were stranded on an island and you had one food mm-hmm. to eat for the rest of your life, what is it going to be? Pizza. food <laughs> ever. <laughs> Absolutely zero. You know, and the reason why is because it is so versatile, right? You can Carbs, have a breakfast. Protein, food. fats. Well, I mean that. You know, there's that. But I mean, like, <laughs> put on. Like, you can have. You could have, you, if you wanted a dessert pizza, you'd have a dessert pizza. You can put like 20 different types of cheese on there if you want. It doesn't matter. Yes, you would. <laughs> opportunities are endless with pizza. So, so our first world problem, when we're not getting ready for meat, we actually have fun food. We would have like a pizza every week. And there's a pizza that is like laughable, but it is the best frozen pizza on the planet. And it's literally Walmart's seven cheese stuffed crust pizza. But it is Seven <laughs> Walmart. Walmart seven cheese pizza. And one of the seven cheeses is like fresh mozzarella. It is so freaking good. Even Titus, my son, like, like, wow, this is really good. But it's almost never there. And we get like so mad. This is our first world problem. Like, Walmart doesn't have our favorite pizza. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, um, Wait, is that your- what is yours? I would put pizza on the island. Yeah. Yeah. Most people pick pizza. Most people do. That's because they're correct. You can never you can never go wrong with pizza or burger. Yeah. Yeah. See, I've got a tradition to where after weigh-ins and I drink a you like burgers? Logan is Yeah, I love burgers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love burgers. (laughs) But um, look at me. What are you talking about? I mean (laughs) I've got a tradition where I will make sure that I eat a whole pizza after I weigh in for a meat. That's a good, like, post-weigh-in. It's usually my lunch. Yeah. It's, it's high in sodium. It's high in carbs. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I wait till I have, like, hydration back. Like, pizza is usually my lunch on way, a post-weigh-in day. Tell you something crazy. So, Thursday for this last meet, I wait. I mean, I mean, Friday, I'm sorry. I weighed in at 218, like, 0.5. Came in way under. I was like, that's great. Well, by 2 o'clock, I went in at 9 on Friday. At two, By 2 o'clock, I was 236. When I woke up, I was 242. I was full. (laughs) So I remember one time I weighed in at like 343, and then I came back and I was like 365. It was was incredible. Gosh. Um, um, (laughs) 
So you're saying yeah, you're real not a real man again. until you weigh 300 plus. I mean, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, <laughs> I just, I don't like, I guess just like eat whatever the hell I want to, I guess. That's I mean, really it. I just don't have discipline in that department, really. Yeah. So, but, so funny you say that, because there's the old Jim Wendler quote. quote. You remember, you guys know Jim Wendler. You've been around this yes. long. Yeah. Jim Wendler, mm-hmm. West Side guy. And he had the quote, and he used to write about it every week in the S article, that you're not a real man unless you weigh over 200 pounds. Yes. And for some reason, when I was in high school, I had that m- mindset. So I was always bulking. I was on a terrible <laughs> bulk. <break. laughs> and then when I started competing at 181, when I hit the scale, I'm like, wow, I weigh what I weighed in middle school. It blew my mind. And then people would be like, oh, you weighed at 181. You're not a real man unless you weigh 200 pounds. And then they would quote Jim Wendler. And I look at this, and I'm like, wait a minute. I out total Jim Wendler at 181, and he told me at 231. So which one was the <laughs> yeah. There you go. Love yeah. Tuttle's talk. <laughs> it's all about your perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, where can people reach y'all if they want to contact you for coaching, um, contact you for just help, advice, or to reach the supp- to buy supplements from you guys? Where can they can reach you? Uh, the supplements is at culture underscore neutra. Um, the email for that is info at culturenutra.com. Our website is culturenutra.com. Those are pretty simple. Instagram is at Riley Fresnel. There, you can DM me there. There is an email button. So generally, if someone is inquiring about coaching, I prefer that they email me rather than direct message me. So hit the email button. Um, that's probably the easiest way to contact me. I'm always the same. You know, we, we're both very active on social media as far as answering people. So general questions, DMs are usually fine. If they're inquiring about coaching, I need to send them a questionnaire. So the it's the email button, and my email is just trevorjaffe at gmail. I keep everything as simple as possible because I like efficiency. Yeah. So they can always reach out through email at trevorjaffe at gmail.com, or they can touch the uh, email button that's in my profile. Um, it's at Jaffe Strength. It's at Cultura underscore Nutra for the supplements, and at Riley Fresnel on Instagram. Yeah. Sweet. What about you, Logan? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at Logan Cha- uh, Logan underscore Chapman underscore. And that's pretty much the best way to do that or email me uh, LoganChapman33 at gmail.com. And you can reach me at ZachFan18 at, uh, on Instagram. And now you can reach Logan or I through Brute Strength Performance on IG. Yes. And you can contact mm-hmm. us for coaching on there as well. And then if Riley and Trevor, mm-hmm. if you want to contact them for coaching, you can reach them on their Instagram pages or their emails. Um, I will also get y'all's information and put your Instagram pages and your emails and contact information um, in the description. That way people can reach y'all easily through there also. Awesome. Thank you, Thanks guys. Thanks for chatting with us, guys. This was an honor. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.